Coming up on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, the Cougs have kicked off the second half of their regular season, and now they start their stretch run, looking for a victory in Virginia. We look ahead to Liberty with Kalani and offensive lineman Blake Freeland, next on BYU TV. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, presented by Intermountain Healthcare. And now, your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, uh, good evening. Hello, once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building right here in Provo, Utah, for our Week 8 edition already, somehow, of BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. Glad you're joining us, whether live or on demand, and whether on the BYU TV or the BYU Radio apps. For those watching us live, we invite you, as always, to contribute to our program by taking part in our instant polls via the Opine app. Make sure you download the Opine app and then keep it open throughout the show and you'll watch the side of the screen for poll questions. You can answer them. And as a reminder, our social media hashtag throughout the show tonight is hashtag Sitake Show. Coming up on tonight's broadcast, we will look back on a high-scoring Saturday setback versus Arkansas at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We'll go inside the film room with Spencer Linton tonight. Special guesting for Jerem Jordan. Spencer visiting with Chase Roberts tonight. Deep Blue will profile former BYU quarterback Max Hall. Offensive lineman Blake Freeland will be our in-studio guest. We'll answer social media questions for the coach and Blake, and then look ahead to BYU and Liberty Plus get our special live uniform unveiling for Game 8 against the Liberty Flames. So the broadcast is all teed up. Time to kick it off with the head coach of the Cougars. Here he is, Kalani Sitake. And a hand for Hazel Haymuli. All right. Hazel, always our ever vigilant lay girl, and we prop up and shout out to Lays for Days for all your flowery needs. Good to see you, Kalani. Great to be here. Thanks. All right. So uh, you've had a few days to kind of soak in what happened on the weekend as you're mm -hmm. getting ready for the next one, of course. And so much of the coach's mindset is you're on to the next, you're on to the next. But as you look back and reflect on what went over, went on over the weekend, uh, what are you kind of left with? Well, I mean, I think the uh, the overshadowing part is that we lost the game, and, and the uh, you know, and then we had a, uh, a situation where back-to-back -back losses. So uh, the the there's always a concern uh, that we're not playing our best, but we're playing some against some good teams. But I think the point that we're trying to make, and the, the thing that I'm committed to, is getting getting things fixed and also learning from it. Um, but I think that there's an opportunity to praise some really good things that happened as well in, in the last two games, and, and specifically the game over the weekend. And so there's some things that we can keep building on, but I don't think you can allow the, uh, the loss and the negativity to overshadow some of the praise that, that is deserved from the players that are doing thing, things the right way and, and made some plays and, and, and the experience overall. I mean, that's, uh, I, I want to approach it with a, with a positivity and optimism that we'll get through this. And, and we'll play better next week, and we have an opportunity to play this next game. And and um, it, it's a, uh, you know, we want to win so much for the fans that I think sometimes the players take it really hard, and I know the coaches take it really, really hard because uh, we, we want to give so much to our fans because they deserve it. And, and whenever we come up short, I think uh, the guys take it harder than they than most, most other places. And so it's trying to get them to, to move on and get better and, and, and learn from it. But I hope the, the fans know that we appreciate them. and. Uh, they they packed the house and, and and brought a lot of energy and 
uh, always been really thankful for, for the things that they've done for us and the support that we get from our fans. There are some things you want to fix, but what are the praiseworthy components of things right now that you're looking at? Well, yeah, I, th I thought the offense, you know, we're able to get some some scores and, and sustain some drives. Um, I think you're looking at um, some of the old linemen that, that never get the praise and, and they, they played some uh, really good football. And, and um, you know, I think Kingsley played really well and, and Blake played really well. The old line overall did some really good things. It's nice to see Jaron uh, get closer to, to being 100%. And then also, you know, I, I was really impressed with the things that we saw from the wide out, the wide out position. And, and the overall offense did some good things. Cody Epps played really well. Buka did some really good things. And um, But there's all, obviously some things to fix, but uh, we had some great effort, some great uh, um, energy from our players. And uh, so I, I think it's important that we fix some things, but we also praise and build off of the things that, that were accomplished. What are a couple of things you want to apply a fix to before Liberty? Yeah, I think I think defensively, obviously, you need to score, score uh, holding less points. That that will help out. And and I think uh, I said it before in the, in the post game that you're not going to win a lot of games just scoring only 20 points, and, and you're not going to win a lot of games giving up 52. And so um, it, it happens, and, and we understand that. But uh, there's things that we could do differently to, to make it easier on our team. And, uh, you know, uh, there are some mistakes that were out there, and then um, but I have to give credit to Arkansas. They, they're an explosive offense. They've, they've, they, they can make things really difficult on you. And, and so, um, you know, that, that wasn't just like, oh, we gave up everything. They're, they're a good team. And they've been able to, to put up some points when their quarterback's playing and he's healthy. They've been able to do that to a lot of other, other teams on the schedule from last year and this year. So uh, the point is that let's, let's give ourselves a better chance to have more success by making sure that we minimize the mistakes overall as a team and then give our give ourselves a chance to win. I thought we had some spots and some moments, um, but it'd be nice to put it all together and have all three phase, phases clicking. You're trying to win um, just one game, not uh, six, but uh, a double-digit win season, which is one of the hallmarks of your program, I think, beyond bowl eligibility. That's still a possibility for this team this year. That could drive you. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think the, the key is just get this next one, right? And, and, and uh, don't look beyond anything other than What's what's here right now, and that's liberty, and uh, what just happened. I don't I don't think you can dwell on the past. We got to learn from it, and um, and then and then have a great approach and and, and a positive uh, mindset towards it. And so we're we're going through it. I, we had great practice yesterday and today, and I, I feel good about. Uh, but I've always felt good about our guys. It's just a matter of playing, and if we have to play so we can execute better as, as a team. Um, and I think if we, if we have to simplify things so we can play at a higher level, then great, let's do it. Uh, so we're not trying to trick ourselves a little bit, you know, and um, I think if you can do that, you can you can help minimize the mistakes. Let's take a brief look back at how this shootout went down Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Highlights brought to you by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. It was a glorious sunny Saturday afternoon for BYU and Arkansas. First ever trip for the Razorbacks to Provo. They'll do it again, the Cougs and Razorbacks next year in Fayetteville. And one of the best plays of the season wasn't a touchdown scoring play, but it was a work of art on the sidelines from Puka. Yeah, this guy does it all the time. And there, I mean, there's even some amazing catches that he had that weren't inbounds. Um, he's, he can track the ball really well. And, um, you know, that's just, I'm glad Ke Keanu put his hands up on that. That was smart. <laughs> and, and we got this touchdown to get the, the ball to Isaac. Um, you know, we unfortunately gave up uh, touchdowns. And, you know, we've got to fix the, mix, the missed tackles, things like that. But, um, scheme was they, they, they get going, they go fast, Arkansas can get up on you real quick. 
But BYU was back in the lead on this uh, Cody Epps touchdown, and all Cody does is score touchdowns now. He has a great vision, and he does really well with the ball in his hands. And, and uh, I was really pleased to see Puka get get a lot of targets and get get, get uh, opportunity to run the ball, but also short passes. He can he can create a, a big play on a, on a short pass. The turning point of the game uh, was BYU giving Arkansas a short field, and in tennis terms, uh, Arkansas kind of broke serve there and, and got an extra score. Yeah, and this that, that entire. Uh, Part of the end of the first half was was unfortunate, and um, you know I think I've talked about it uh, enough. But I, I think we we just need to move on and learn from it, and make sure it doesn't happen again. Puka Nakua had three touchdowns. That was the second of three for Puka. KJ Jefferson was outstanding on the day. Yeah, and, and, and I mean this he's when he's healthy, their offense moves, and so uh, you know they got us on that uh, hitch and go, and um, you know they they deserve the win. You know we, we we made too many mistakes and didn't play complimentary football in all three phases and uh, you know gave up gave up the win and, and um, thought we could have battled it out and it felt like it was going to be a shootout whoever the ball had the ball last and the end of the first half was was hard because we were going to get the ball coming out of halftime and that that being able to give up just hold them to th the to the score if we were down by three it would have been nice to just punt the ball and, and go into the half with that and then we would have seen back and forth but uh, we had our moments and just didn't capitalize on, on opportunities and definitely need to get better defensively on third downs. Game stats brought to you by Smarty, location data experts. And, and it was a 38-35 game in the third quarter. It was back and forth, and you were allowing a lot of yards and points, but you were right there. You kind of had some Virginia vibes uh, from last year, a game that you can't, you know, kind of pulled away to win. Arkansas was the team that pulled away this time, and it had that same same kind of feel. Yeah, we felt, we felt like we were going to be in a, in a good position to do things, and I think we got... Uh, had had some um, drives stalled on offense and then didn't get any stops on defense, you know. So uh, when that happens and you do it against a really good team like Arkansas, they can make you pay. I'm not sure how concerned you were coming out of Las Vegas uh, when Jaron had, had kind of a rough night against Notre Dame, but uh, the week that he had between Notre Dame and Arkansas seemed to do him really good. He played really well, had his career high in passing yardage in the Arkansas game. I had some zip on the ball and bounced back really well and even took some hits in that Arkansas game. He's tough. Yeah, definitely tough. And, and, and you can see he's a lot better than he was the week before. And I think the, the question was, do we uh, keep going that route with him or do we um, you know, just uh, replace him? And, and he, he assured us that he's ready to go uh, in this game. And, and we felt like he, you know, at the end of the game, he, he felt, felt like he was going to be really good. He had good practice today, so he's we're feeling good about the progress that he's making towards being 100%. You could say that Saturday's game was really the first one all season in which Puka kind of looked like himself to start and finish a game. And, and he had, had a huge day and proved again how important he is uh, to this program, scoring in a variety of different ways mm -hmm. and getting him touches was uh, certainly a big part of the game plan. Yeah, and just I mean, allowing him to get in the backfield and run the ball a little bit and, and then with the fly sweep, he's always dangerous and definitely uh, with, the, with the, the skills that he has, being able to see the ball in the air, track it down, and the, having the awareness to know that he can touch his toes there, I think that's that's a good catch in the NFL. So, But it's, it's the little things that he can do like this and just extend plays on a five-yard throw, he can make it a 12-yard gain easily. That, that's that's uh, he, He's so versatile, he can do so many things for us, it's important that we keep uh, trying to find ways to feed him the ball. Do you know who leads your team in touchdowns scored this year? I have no idea. I haven't looked at it. Cody Epps. <laughs> okay. Well, Cody's got yeah. six right now. I think he's, he has a little bit of streak of, you know, He's scored in five straight games. Yeah, so that that makes sense. I mean, he, he, he has a knack for finding, finding the end zone, and 
he's got great vision. He just, he knows how to make people miss. And, um, you know, usually sure-handed, can catch, catch the ball and track it down really well. And he's, and, and, and he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he plays physically and stays in games and uh, makes tough catches across the middle, case in point. <laughs> Uh, we, we, we find ourselves talking about Cody Epps almost every week on this show and highlighting it because of it seems like game to game he gets better and better. Yeah, and he does. I mean, I, I love the kid. He, 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 the, his preparation isn't just uh, football. He does a lot of the little things right in life, and uh, he, he doesn't uh, take anything for granted. And, and that's the, his football IQ has taken a, a huge jump and when, when he was injured to see him you know, approach the game with uh, a coach's mindset. He's always talking to Fessy, and uh, it's, it's, it's definitely paying off the way that he's playing. Speaking of wide receivers, uh, is there a hope that uh, Gunner gets back uh, for you? Yeah, we're hopeful. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I don't have the, uh, a crystal ball to tell you what's going on that way, but on a Tuesday, hard for me to say whether or not he's playing this weekend. But uh, you had Chase Roberts back, which was good for you this yeah, past Chase, week. Yeah, Chase will be fine. He's practicing, so he's going to be ready to roll. So hopefully we can get the whole group together, but right now we'll, we'll do with whatever we got available for. You were us. down running backs last week. I think Aaron we said, Arod said uh, he never recalled having a game where you dressed just three running backs. It was Chris Brooks, it was Mason Fakahua, and it was uh, uh, Hinkley Rapati, yeah. and that was it for you yeah. this past weekend. Yeah, and, and then I think that's why Arod was able to use um, Puka in the backfield a little bit with with a little bit of the the motions that you saw there. But uh, I don't know if. Um, you know, I think we get Miles back. We get Miles and Lopini back this That's week. That's great. So that would be, you know, getting the full group. And, and then also, uh, you know, now that we've seen what Puka can do with, in the backfield, I, I don't think that's uh – that's something that will go away. They can always be a, a potential threat for us. Excellent. Well, uh, seven down, five to go as the Cougs now hit the road for the East Coast. Uh, BYU's two wins away from bowl eligibility. This week's opponent, the Liberty Flames, they're one of 16 already bowl eligible teams. They're six and one on the year. Flames are hosting BYU for the first time ever. Their head coach, Hugh Freeze, Kalani calls this without a doubt the biggest home football game that program has ever had. Yeah, I mean, it's in national TV, and, and, and um, I think it's a sellout for them. So uh, looking forward to it. You know, that, that's, I, I think we've um, they've done a great job with their program, and, and, and Hugh Freeze is a really good coach. They've had uh, a, a number of quarterbacks injured, and so he's used so many different lineups uh, behind the center, and, and uh, pretty impressive that they're 6-1, and, and, and they continue to have that uh, that you know, consistency with their offense scoring a lot of points, but uh, you know, well-coached team in all three phases, and uh, we're looking forward to getting out there and playing them. The quarterback who started for Utah in last year's game, BYU won here in Provo, transferred to Liberty, started the season for Liberty, got a broken bone in his hand in the first game, and he might be back for this game, is the way it sounds. Yeah, we're, I think he's going to, He's from what I know, I mean, that, what I'm hearing, that he's going to play in this game. So uh, if he doesn't, then they have a, a bunch of, quarterbacks that can do it. So we're looking forward to seeing him again. Can the fact that it's such a huge game for them be a motivator for you and your guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, our guys are motivated to play regardless of, of who it is. And, and you only get 12 guaranteed opportunities. And so uh, you can't squander any of them. And, and now we're past midpoint. I think the guys are really excited for the matchup. But, um, you know, I know that they're taking it really serious and then they're expecting our best. And so let's, let's go give it to them. All right. And I, I mean, they're a really good team and great fan base. Just, we're looking forward to the experience of being in that, that atmosphere. 
They say it's a sellout. Could be the biggest crowd they've ever had in that building. All right, tough break time. And this reminder that for your day-to-day Cougar sports, play-by-play. Watch BYU Sports Nation with Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linton weekdays at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back, Chase Roberts will take us inside the film room and later on, a deep blue profile of former BYU signal caller, Max Hall. Stay with us as BYU Football with Kalani Sitake continues after this. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake is presented by Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Smith's, fresh for everyone. Brady Industries, honestly better. And by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. We are back for more of BYU football with Kalani Sitake from inside Studio C here at BYU TV. Well, Saturday's game with Arkansas saw the return of freshman Chase Roberts to the BYU lineup after a couple of games on the sidelines due to injury. Tonight, he's inside the film room with our Spencer Linton. Chase, I think I speak for everybody when I say it's good to have you back in the wide receiver room and healthy and playing. And uh, I feel like that's probably where we start this conversation. How are okay. you feeling overall at this point after having to sit out a few games? I'm, fe- I'm feeling really good. You know, it's it's hard. Obviously, you want to play every game and you want to you help the team win. And uh, But it happens. It's football. You know, I've seen it with other guys. But it's good to be back and, and, and healthy. You're the expert with the clicker today. You've I guess picked so. out three specific plays I want to take a look at. One awesome. of them is actually going to have you critique your teammate Puka Nakua. No, in a cr- no critiquing needed. This is an <laughs> awesome play. <laughs> Critical scenario with yeah. about six minutes to go in the first quarter. It's fourth and eight. Yes. Walk us through the mentality of this play, the setup, and, and what's happening okay, here. Okay, we'll do. So right here, I think it starts with Jared and his confidence in us receivers being a little bit bigger. You know, Puka's 6'2", 6'3", and we got Keanu on the outside, 6'4". So he's confident that if he's gonna throw it up, then we're gonna come down with the ball. And um, this ball is amazing right here as he kind of looks the other way, gets to the safety to draw over towards Keanu, and then one-on-one over here to Puka. And kind of like that, I love that toe tap. And just giving that confidence in Puka. Uh, Puka knew he was gonna grab that ball, and what a perfectly placed ball. Uh, Puka keeps his, his toes in and, and the play's made. You're a guy that understands the, the power of a toe touch. And we'll get go. to that we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay. But when you look at this catch by by Puka, yeah. um, when you have so little room to work with, yes. h- how do you develop the comfortable nature that you have as a receiver in a tight space like that? Yeah. I mean you want to keep as much of the box as you want as you you know as you need to make the catch. And and Puka keeps enough here to you know, track the ball down and, and be able to keep his feet in. But really, it's just making sure you have that space with you and the defensive back and um, keeping him on your inside so that you can go out and extend and make that play. Settling in the pocket is Hall. He throws deep down the far sideline. It is caught yep. inbounds at the four-yard line. Puka Nakua hauls it in down the far sideline. Yeah. Now we go to the Baylor game, which was your breakout performance. and. We want to go to a critical conversion for you in, in the hurry-up offense mm-hmm. as you're looking to go down the field and yeah. score in what is a relatively low-scoring first half. Yeah. So walk us through this play here and your ability to recognize that you're open mm-hmm. and alert Jaron on that play. Okay, yeah. So I see the corner on, he's off, and then I see the safety. And I knew I had a backside dig, and if I can get the safety turned around, 
and I knew I would be open and have the, the defensive back or my guy on, on my backside. So right here, I give a little move right as I reach my guy, a little inside, and then as that safety turns, I knew I had all that spacing in the, you know, that five, six yards to, to make that catch. We hear a lot about attacking the ball, and you come back and, and it almost like, it, you, it, you come back to the ball. You mm -hmm. go and catch the ball rather than allowing the ball uh -huh. to continue to come to you and, and allow the defender to come in and knock that down. Yeah. What, how do you develop that, that, the ability to be aggressive and go get the ball? I think it's just an aggressive mindset of, it's my ball, you know, we're making this play, we're going down and scoring, and um, having confidence in the quarterback that he's going to put it in the right spot and, and going and get that ball. All right, that would lead to BYU on the 20 with uh, just over 10 seconds to play in the mm -hmm. first half. What route is happening here? This is just a, a go route, you know, kind of read him and, and take it to the end zone. And uh, Jaron Hall times it up perfectly uh, to where we can he can lay it right in that bread basket. And, and we were able to convert with two seconds left, which was awesome. Okay, now do you have the option in that moment, depending on how the defender matches up against you to go inside or is it straight outside the whole way? There is an option, yes. Um, I see the, that the safeties, he kind of inches inside, so I knew I had the outside. Um, and really when you go inside, it creates kind of, a, you know, the safety's there. And so you, outside is the best bet, especially as a tall receiver going up and getting the ball, keeping it a one-on-one -on -one matchup. It's one thing to catch the ball, it's another to get your toes down mm -hmm. inbounds. I think if this is an NFL catch, <laughs> it still counts. You, did you get both feet down? I think down? I got two feet down. Um, kind of the toe tap was just reaction, you know, an instinct that uh, you kind of do as a receiver and you know you're on the on the sidelines, so you get those toes down, And but it was a perfect throw by Jaron. All right, I'm gonna have you rewind it one more time, one more just time. that last angle. And I want okay. you to notice the chunk of grass that comes, comes up out. from your toe drag right here. This has got to be one of the most gratifying sights <laughs> as a wide receiver to see that, I love that. little chunk of grass yes. pop up. I love that. It's kind of what I was pointing at is the, the grass. You see that? And then pointing back at the, the ref. So. Oh, touchdown indeed. All right, Chase, we appreciate you working through the film room uh, with us this week. Thank you. Um, as you push forward to Liberty, what's the next step for the wide receivers as you, you try and get right against the Flames? You know, we have been playing really well, and I think there's always stuff to improve on, though. And uh, little little things like blocking and, and um, you know little technique stuff. So I think we're just going to get down uh, with that the little stuff this week, uh, so we can perform it at, at our best because we haven't performed at our best yet. And I think we can do that this week. All right. To quote a couple of uh, my broadcast friends, Robert Griffin the third Chase is on the case. There you go. And then in the words of Greg Rebel, the toe drag swag from it. Chase Roberts. <laughs> hey, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. We say, we say a lot about Cody. Uh, we're going to have a lot of Chase Roberts to enjoy over the years to come at BYU. The wide receiver room is, uh, has a bright future. Yeah, and then just a lot of talent there. And so then they're just taking advantage of the opportunities. Um, it's good to get Chase back and healthy again. Uh, I mean, just when those guys are, he's such a big target. And when those guys are up and running, it's going to be really difficult on, on a defense. All right, great to have him back indeed. Uh, next up for the Cougs, we're talking about some more right now, the Liberty Flames. Uh, they're 6-1 on the year. They lead the nation in takeaways. And that's interesting because you're a really careful team with the football, only five giveaways all year. And there they are with 18 uh, tops in the FBS in takeaways. So strength versus strength here this weekend in that respect. Yeah, they create a lot of havoc on defense. I think a lot of attention goes to their offense and uh, the points that they can put up, but their defense can, can do some disruption. And uh, I think they... they it causes some havoc and, and make quarterbacks make bad decisions and throw the ball. And so we're going to have to be at our best to protect 
um, you know, protect Jaron and make sure that he throws the ball the right way, can deliver it. And then in, in the run game, we have to take care of the football. And when, when we catch the ball, we have to be, have great ball security. Didn't do a good, jo good job of that, you know, over the past weekend. And uh, look, look, looking forward to getting back on it. They're a really good third down defensive team. Uh, they're second in the nation in both sacks per game and tackles for loss per game. How do they do it? What's their key to getting so much pressure on the quarterback yeah, they, and so many tackles for loss? They do a good, great job disguising things, and then they also bring some pressure. Um, and then looking at the, the, their technique, I think they're, uh, they, do, they do some things that, that, that are really difficult to be able to read. And, um, and so, you know, we, we've tried to train our, our uh, scout defense to give them the same look. And I, I think um, it's always, every week it's always a, it's always a, a battle to see um, you know, different types of defenses for our offense, but uh, this is a lot of, not, nothing that's new for our guys and our staff. And uh, but they do a great job at executing their their assignments. Well, really well coached, and, and they're, they're a tough tough group. I know Arod was proud of the O line this past weekend. Arkansas came in twelfth uh, in the nation in sacks per mm -hmm. game. They didn't get to Jaron on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, and, and I thought they did a great job. But I also think Jaron did a great job delivering the ball on time and. And uh, um, making sure that that is put a lot of pressure on them to try to get there to him quickly. And in uh, Jaron's athletic, he, he can create some space with his legs. And uh, we, we just we just want him to be nice and comfortable in the pocket and and um, keep his jersey clean and let him just throw the ball because that's what he's really good at. Okay, you played Liberty once before. It was back in 2019. Mm -hmm. You're in Provo. Won that game, 31-24. Hugh Freeze was just kind of getting it going at that point. Uh, he's in his fourth season now uh, with the Flames, and they're, they're already bowl eligible, as we talked about earlier. They're perennially a winning team. Um, what can you say about what, what Hugh Freeze is building uh, there in Lynchburg right now? Yeah, great football mind, and and he's put together a really good staff. And uh, you know, Liberty's made a commitment to to wanting their football team to be really good, so they have. So really good facilities and, and the resources that they're given. I've, I've been able to speak and, and, and talk to, to Hugh Freeze quite often um, in, in head coaching things and circles and, and conventions. And um, he's really pleased with what his administration has given him. And, and look at what he's doing. He's creating great results. Um, and, and to be bowl eligible four years in a row, that's a huge compliment to him and his leadership style. And, and uh, you know, he, he's got a bunch of guys and they're, they're generating some draft picks. and. Um, they, they have a lot of great talent on their team. I think that looking at their team top to bottom, they, they have really, really good athleticism and skill. And a third round draft pick uh, came out of Liberty just this past season in, in Malik Willis. Yeah, and, 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 and he, he can put him there. He, he's, he's done that. He, he's, he's done that in his, in, in, in his, as a head coach in his tenure. And, and uh, you know, we're, we, we know that they're excited about this game, and we are too. So it'd be a good matchup. We, we see the talent. I just don't think a lot of people know about Liberty, know about um, about, about their program. But if you look at the things that they do and the, the, the talent that they have on their team, I think it's, they, they need to respect them. We definitely do. That yeah, should be a fun afternoon in Lynchburg. Well, BYU TV and BYU Radio will have you covered on Saturday as the Cougs play in Lynchburg, Virginia. First time that BYU visits they call the Mountain Williams Stadium there in Lynchburg, Virginia. BYU Sports Nation game day and Cougar pregame live. Your TV and radio pregame shows get underway at 1.30 Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Mountain Time. At 3.30 Eastern, 1.30 Mountain, the game can be seen on ESPNU and heard on BYU Radio. Whether you like to watch it or listen to it or watch it and listen to it by turning down the sound, there are your options there. And then postgame, TV and radio, BYU TV and BYU Radio with coverage immediately following the game. And then Monday, we'll look back on the contest with the coordinators. Coordinators Corner, it'll be Aaron Roderick and Ed Lamb. 
offensive coordinator and special teams coordinator joining me this next Monday to talk about the Cougars and the Flames. And then right before this show on Tuesday nights, you can watch after, watch after further review with Dave and David and Blaine. That precedes us right here on BYU TV, the BYU TV app. Coming up, Deep Blue will profile former BYU and NFL quarterback Max Hall. And we'll visit with Blake Freeland live in studio as BYU football with Kalani Sitake continues. Okay, that's good. Whoa, whoa, Dave! Sorry, I'll go grab. Welcome back to BYU football with Kalani Sitake presented by Intermountain Healthcare. Well, here at BYU, quarterback Max Hall had it all. The wins, the storybook ending in 2009 against Utah, and much, much more. Then, as a quarterback for the NFL's Arizona Cardinals, Hall found himself mired in the depths of a drug addiction. It wasn't until his wife, Mackenzie, snapped him out of it that Hall found new meaning in his life, as we learn in tonight's edition of Deep Blue, presented by Brady Industries. Honestly, better. My whole life growing up playing sports, you're taught to do things a certain way and you're taught to have pride in what you do. You're taught to work hard, to give it everything you got, to be tough. When you get hit, you get back up. At BYU, we had this little thing. When he got knocked down, he would get up faster than the guy that knocked him down. And it was for me and his mom so that we weren't sitting in the stands worried that he's not getting up. And so when he gets to the Cardinals and he's not getting up faster than the guy, I'm in the stands freaking out, like, hey, get up, that's our deal, you know? And then watching his demeanor change. I knew something was off, something was going on. I knew he wasn't being honest with me about things and ended up finding some drug paraphernalia. This sucks, right? I'm in this bad place. Oh wait, if I take this, it makes it all good? Takes away the physical, emotional, and mental pain and everything's okay? Give me some more of that. I had two babies during this. Rex, our son, was only five months old when I found out I'm pregnant again. And so it's so not only am I pregnant, I have a newborn baby, and then my husband's going through something that I can't help him with. So about five years into the addiction, I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't go on much longer living the way that we were. And I just started praying that something would happen. And I, and I didn't know what I was praying for at the time, but my Heavenly Father did, and Max was arrested. And that's when it really hit me when I got to the back of the cop car, man. You're sitting in the back of a cop car, hands behind. They slam the door shut on you, and there's silence. And that's when I thought to myself, it's over. So I just lost everything at that moment right there. My family, my reputation, any, any, any future endeavors I thought I could do, maybe coaching in the future, all of it, gone. No one's gonna want anything to do with me anymore. Next morning, hits the news, front page of all the newspapers, social media, everything. I felt like our secret was out. I had been keeping this in for so long. Not even my best friends knew what was going on. I didn't tell anybody because I was trying to protect him. and. While protecting him, I was like dying slowly inside because I just was holding something very, very hard inside. I didn't think this at the time, but now it was the best thing that could have happened to me. It was God's way of saying, okay, you're done. We got to fix this. I turned my phone off through all this. 
had a, some inspiration to turn it back on. I turned my phone back on. Right away, it rings. It's Brandon Doman, my coach from BYU. He says, Max, I love you. We got you. We're bringing you up to Utah. We're going to take care of you. Like, we got you, buddy. You know, BYU donors and fans and stuff that had called wanting to help. Like, what can we do to help Max? And knowing that those people didn't just step back when they saw someone get arrested, that they wanted to jump in and just surround him with love and support. And me too. Was, I mean, from both of us, I was getting calls and texts too. It was it was incredible to know that, that they still want to be a part of our lives. But when I was arrested and then I end up in rehab, I still haven't really had like any sort of closure conversation with Mackenzie. I didn't know where she stood. And um, I remember when I got into rehab, I wouldn't answer the phone in rehab. I didn't want to talk to anybody, especially her, because I was scared to death of what she was going to say. I thought the words were going to be, I love you, but I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. I'm glad you're getting help, but I'm out. During that three months, I didn't just sit around and mope and, you know, be sad that my husband was in rehab. I started taking care of myself. I started learning about addiction. I started learning about codependency. And then I also started taking one hour a day for myself. I feel like for so long, I was Max Hall's wife, you know? And and I decided that I I want to find myself again. So I finally work up the enough courage to call her and she goes, Max, I love you. I'm so grateful you're in there. I'm here to fight if you're willing to fight. So that was a big step for me. And that allowed me to really kind of do well while I was in rehab. But problem is when I got out of rehab and they sent me back home and they're just like, here's some AA meetings by your house, like good luck to you. I thought I was doing great, but when I got back home, that next year of my life was maybe one of the worst years of my life. I was sober. I wasn't using or drinking. I wasn't really working my program. I didn't have anything going on. I was just sitting around white knuckling it, right? And for me at the time, my biggest fear was a relapse. And I learned that that shouldn't be my biggest fear, that I need to just focus on myself. And by doing that, whether there's a relapse or whether there's not, I'm gonna be okay because I am gonna be strong enough to be able to get through whatever comes. So that's when she's like, dude, I didn't sign up for this. I'm not doing this. You're sitting on the couch all day long. You're depressed. You're, you won't answer your phone. You won't go out. You won't, I'm in this rut. And so I finally sat him down and I said, Max, are we gonna do this or not? I said, okay, I gotta be disciplined. I gotta work hard. I gotta study. I gotta have a game plan every day. I gotta script my day out. I gotta do all these things that I did as a quarterback and do them as a dad or as a coach, as a father, as a friend, you know what I mean? And, and put it into a different area of my life. Well, I was joining a podcast and I was told that Max went through an addiction, went through the same kind of, uh, we have the same background. I wanted to see where his mind was at. I know if he could recover, that his information, his process could help other people along the way. And he asked me if I ever thought, you know, Max would ever do anything else besides coaching. And I kind of, I was like, no, that, you know, he's so passionate about coaching. I know that football is something that needs to be in his life forever. And, and he's like, well, I think that there's more. When you talk about even in the 12 steps of recovery, the last step, the 12th step is giving back. Like that's how you stay sober is giving back and helping other people. That's like a big part of it. I want to have an aftercare program that people can be in 
as long as they want. So yeah, you might go to a 30-day rehab. When you get out, come to us and let us continue your care and keep you on the right track so you don't fall into a de deep depression like I did or anxiety like I did because I didn't continue my care. That's what we're trying to give. That's our niche. That's what we want to do at Victory is create this community of people. I hope that we are able to help as many, as many people as possible. And not only addicts, but be able to help the loved ones. Because if the loved one doesn't get help, as much as the addict, it's not gonna work. She was dealt this hand. She didn't ask for it. She had to deal with a husband who became a drug addict and watch me go down this path of destruction. And she could have easily quit. She could have easily bounced and not, not had to deal with it and moved on. But to her credit, she's a freaking warrior, man. She's just like loyal, had my back the whole time and said, okay, what do I gotta do to make this thing better? She didn't sit back and say, Max, this is on you. You gotta go fix this. No, she got in. She got in the arena and started going to work, working on herself, reading books, learning about addiction. And I think it is the person that I was supposed to be, you know, all along, but I don't think that I would have ever gotten to this point without the trial that we went through and without all the things that I had to heal from and to help me grow and become as strong as I am today. And that's what we wanna do at Victory Recovery is be able to help families, addicts, and, and really anyone that wants to even learn more about addiction. And so I think it's gonna be pretty cool. Last year, I got to go back to BYU. Really for the first time, I went to the BYU-Utah game. And I'm nervous, because I don't know how people are gonna react. And to my astonishment, man, as soon as I walked into that stadium, it was nothing but love from blue or red. This is amazing because I think people for the most part understand there's things in life that are bigger than football, bigger than BYU-Utah. And so to get that reaction and that welcome back to the community was huge. And then I got to go play in the alumni game. And here's Max, winds up, caught, touchdown! I mean, look at this, I mean, to have a chance to come back on this field with these guys and play, even though it was seven on seven, I mean, that's something we'll always remember, to have all these greats here on this field, so epic night, man. Everybody is either going through it or knows somebody close to them that's going through it, and it hits home. So when they can see somebody go through that, no matter what color jersey they wore, they understand what that's like and the importance of it, and they can relate to that. So it's no longer about the red and blue anymore. Yeah, I'm still gonna cheer for BYU or whatever, but it's about the community and the connection of people go through mental health issues and addiction issues and we need to rally around and help. And I felt that support. Max McKenzie's clinic for addiction recovery is called Victory Recovery. You can find out more at victoryrecoveryaz.org. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, really yeah. cool. Best of luck to the Halls, as always. All right, our special guest tonight is a mainstay at offensive tackle for the Cougs, which is kind of interesting because he never played the position until he got to BYU. Please welcome, welcome into Studio C, Blake Freeland. All right, thanks for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. Okay, uh, a little bit about uh, a little history lesson. Uh, first of all, your personal athletic history. Where do you think it begins? <sighs> um, 
I would say where it begins, probably back in ninth grade, just playing every sport growing up, or I guess back when I was a kid, just playing every sport. I mean, I played soccer, baseball, basketball, football, everything I could get my hands on. Um, and just kind of narrowing it down all the way until I got to college. Okay, when did you start to specialize and kind of zero in on sports that you felt you were best at or liked doing most? Um, college, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I played, I did track and field, uh, basketball and football in high school and um, just kept me busy year round. And I love doing all three of those. Um, and you were winning state titles in sports other than football. Yes, sir, yeah. <laughs> track and field, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, you were a hoopster as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did it, I mean, did we, do you think basketball was going to be it for a while or? Um, I wanted to, I wanted to think it was it for a while, but my dad always tell me, he's like, your, your future is football. It's, you got to stick to it and keep working. I mean, if basketball works out, then it does, but football's going to be where it's at. You had, uh, of course, your dad is Jim, uh, uh -huh. who was a linebacker at BYU. Mm -hmm. Uh, back when I was a sideline reporter for KSL radio back in the day, uh, my earlier years, your dad was playing and, uh, and, and your mom was a basketball player and a volleyball player here at BYU. Debbie's her name, she was Debbie Diamond then, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got uh, some pretty good athletic genes that you're working with, right? Yes, sir, yeah. Yeah, and um, your sister, uh, Sierra, uh, has been a thrower here at BYU as well, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, she did the, the hammer and the shot put. Just graduated this, last, this past year. So, Kalani, <laughs> you're smiling throughout this whole thing. Yeah, could we, we knew this kid before he was even born. <laughs> so like the, uh, when I, I played uh, with, with Jim, and, um, and, and Ed Lamb's great friends with Jim. And so they, they, they came here to, when I was a true freshman at BYU. Uh, they're the big men on campus. And, um, and then when you match up Jim with Debbie, it's like, you're, you're gonna have some beasts. And, and so we knew going, when, when they had uh, kids, especially with, with, with Blake, it's like, this, is, this guy's gonna be something special. And just be, it's been really cool to see him grow up and, and such a wonderful, wonderful family, wonderful parents and uh, such a humble young man, you know, and, and, and I think uh, I think he's being really humble right now because I want to brag about him, but it's uh, the stuff that he's done in track and field. It's not just, yeah, he won state. This guy can be a world class uh, shot putter and discus thrower um, and, and he, he can play on basketball team. Uh, he can play basketball. He can play next level basketball, but uh, I think his heart is in the NFL, and I think he he likes being part of the team and, and being being a an O lineman, and uh, I think that's kind of where I, I'm about to give credit to your dad. It's where Jim kind of like uh, you know kind of groomed him to be, and and so I, I think the uh, looking at things that he can accomplish, there's so much to it, and that's just we're just talking about sports. We're not even talking about uh, the mind that he has on him and the intelligence and the things that he can accomplish. There's just so much potential here. And it's an honor for me to coach him and, and, and you know, to, to know his dad and, and be friends with him. It's really cool and this connection with Coach Lamb. And I think we, you remember when we were recruiting you, um, he, we were like, yeah, you'd be great. I think we recruited him as a DN and tight end, right? Yeah. And um, we said, you'd be great old lineman. And he's like, ah, you're gaining a lot of weight. And, and I think we're at a basketball game, me and Edward at his basketball game. He's like, watch how many dunks I get tonight. And he, I, I got... I got to the point where I was like, hey, stop dunking it so much, just in case, you know, we don't want you up in the air that high too much. But uh, this, this, he's just got so much confidence in himself. And when he got to, to, to BYU, it was just like, it was pretty evident that he was going to be something special and got big and strong and, and was able to play as a true freshman 
something that he's never done before, and played against a draft pick in, in the Boise game and started against him and shut him down. And this, there's just so much that this guy can do. And so I, I don't, sorry I'm just bragging too much, but now, <laughs> but he's, he's never going to talk about himself like that. <laughs> It's because you, you got left left tackle locked down here at BYU, but when you came to college, you weren't an offensive line, which is the amazing thing, right? Mm -hmm. You'd done other things, and now you're just like, like you're you're right at home at left tackle. Now yeah. you've kind of grown into it, right? Yeah, no doubt. It was, Love the it was a weird transition. Yeah, yeah, I've I've really grown into it, uh, kind of mentally. I think physically, it was kind of there, just the body and the frame. I had to get the weight on first, um, but mentally, I was kind of just had to get the say that mentality to be an offensive lineman and. Um, I think after that first fall camp of just trying to figure things out, just having coaches, you know, yelling at me and just not knowing what I'm doing, just like a blind man out there, um, I kind of started figuring things out and got the right mentality. And um, yeah, it was just it was nice to have help a lot of coaches. It's been fun to watch. Stick with us, Blake. We'll come up next with social media questions for Coach Kalani and Blake Freeland when BYU football with Kalani Sitake returns back after this. BYU football with Kalani Sitake is presented by Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics. And by Smarty, location data experts. Welcome back to BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. I don't have to ask all the questions on this show. We let others ask questions. We have a question for, maybe just time for one question, actually, for the two of you in this brief segment uh, for both. Uh, what does leadership look like to you, and who do you turn to in difficult moments? Blake, you want to try that one first? What does leadership look like to you, and who do you turn to in difficult moments? Um, I would say... Um, a super important part of leadership is being an example to others around you because uh, I think it's hard for people to follow someone who isn't doing the right things and uh, if you have a leader that's doing the right things it kind of kind of makes you want to follow in their path um, I think it shows like it allows you to have a lot of respect for them and uh, I think if you're doing the right things everyone else will just follow in order and okay yeah. Kalani. Yeah, I look at the best leader of them all, and that's Jesus Christ. And so um, uh, I think love and, and Christ-like love is the key. And it, it goes right in line with what Blake was saying, that that's the example you follow. And that's, that's what I look to. And, and, and um, you know, I, I try to do my best to, to, to be like him. Okay, thanks for both of you for answering that. Appreciate that. As we go to break, here's this week's trivia question for you presented by Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics in partnership with the San Bernardino International Airport. Tonight's question is, how many games has BYU played in the state of Virginia? Coming into this weekend, of course, BYU heading to Virginia. How many have they played in Virginia before? That's our question. The answer is coming up next right after this. Welcome back to BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. Here's tonight's trivia question presented by Breeze, the official hometown airline of BYU Athletics in partnership with the San Bernardino International Airport. How many games has BYU played in the state of Virginia? There are a few schools out there, but just one FBS school has BYU faced there, University of Virginia, two times. And the first time, Kalani, you played in the game. I did, yeah. Back in 2000, your senior season, Lavelle's last season. That's right. Overtime. Overtime. Fred Engeman. 
Comeback win, right? Comeback. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that, was, that was fun. And then 2013, so just the two games, this will be number three. Uh, this weekend in Lynchburg. All right, uh, this season on the Sitake Show, we close every program with a sneak preview of the upcoming weekend's uniform combination. We do it live. We do better than a mannequin. We have Travis Hodson, and Travis <laughs> is modeling this week's uniform combination for BYU and Liberty. Okay. <laughs> The turnover belt making another appearance, there and uh, so this will be the the white white and royal uh, combo. Uh, some background on this one: uh, the most recent version of this uniform was worn in 2019 versus San Diego State. Other variations of this uniform combo were worn in 2021 versus Utah State, with the nickel-colored face mask, mm. and also in 2020 versus Houston with the uh, flat gray they called the GIF face mask. This is the uh, the chrome blue uh, face mask. So white, white, royal. For BYU and Liberty. Travis, how are you feeling tonight? So good. So good, he says. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Blake, uh, how, how, how into the uniform selections do, these, do the players get? How into them? Yeah. Um, I think people are excited every week. Um, we, there's a few people who choose them kind of throughout the, the off season, but I think seeing the reveal every week is pretty exciting. We had the, uh, the, the helmets last week that were pretty popular, mm -hmm. it seemed like. Did you like those, the way they looked? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I'm hoping to get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I think you know some people. Yeah. Uh, you, you might be able to. By the way, uh, do you want to shout out uh, somebody special in the stands you have for you tonight? Yeah, shout out to my dad. Um, always here, always here for me. <laughs> All right, thanks for being here, Jim. Appreciate that. Uh, and just real quickly, we have 30 seconds left. Uh, you made a funny comment during the break real quickly. Um, you said you, you thought about Mark, maybe giving Mark Pope a chance at Blake. Yeah, but, but uh, he'd lose too much weight. They run too much. <laughs> and they're doing midnight, midnight basketball stuff. He's got to get his eight hours eight of hours. sleep. Yeah, <laughs> no time for that. So. Well, best of luck, Kalani and Blake in prep this week. Good luck uh, against Liberty on the weekend. Thanks for being here. Yeah, Let's go. All right. go Cougs. Well, thanks for all being here. For our producer, Hema. And for Blake and Kalani, I'm Greg Rubel. Have a great week. Go Cougs. <laughs>